What's in a name and how is that tied to your identity? Let's talk about it with Gorilla My Love by Tony Cade Bambara today. Gorilla My Una. <laughs> All right. So we start out in this story with a young girl named Hazel who's in a car with her hunkabubba, her uh, baby Jason, <laughs> a lot of pecans, <laughs> granddad. <laughs> and um, man, what kind of girl do you get? Obviously, we've seen Hazel before, for those that have read other Tony Cade Bambara. But in this story here, what are the implications of what type of a girl uh, Hazel is? That's one thing that I was kind of confused about and I want to discuss is because I feel like the Hazel from this Bambara story isn't necessarily the Hazel that we've seen in the other stories. Because this one is Spitfire. She is a pistol whip. Uh, and I just – she is – thunderous she is powerful she she's in a magnet i don't know she she's she's she has presence character you mm. just you immediately fall in love with her she's hilarious i feel like she's one of those people where you walk into your room you, you walk in a room and she's who you gravitate towards she has the it factor and a lot of the other hazels in bombara stories felt reserved and this one seems like this hazel is over the top mm. I would say you definitely get kind of like that shocking moment with her, but she also seems smart, right? Like the way that she's reading the the maps, which, you know, pre Google phones and such, it was a lot harder to do with dad quest and map quests and such. But, um, you know, she, she also is, is spunky to your point. She's hilarious. And I think she puts out a certain amount of uh, emotion. She, she lets her emotions drive a lot of her decisions, which to your point, I don't know if I gathered that from some of the other stories that we've read with her. But at the same time, I mean, I call her Hazel. We know her from other stories, but you don't know it's Hazel until almost the end of the story, right? Like she has like five different nicknames, right? In terms of Scout, mm -hmm. Muffin or something like that. And at the same time, the story itself opens up with kind of that question about Hunka Bubba. And you realize that Hunka is just, you know, how she said uncle, but she couldn't, you know, you can't pronounce certain words when you're little. And, you know, he's changing his names or reverting his name. And you realize that like, oh, it's that situation where, you know, like my son called me, you know, Dada when he was little. And then I was daddy and then I was dad. And now I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like your name for someone and how you address them changes as you get older i think about that and it's so important in empowering your name think about us on this channel we've never given out our names in quote real life we're una and crypto those are nicknames but they're still us right or are they and i think about when i was a kid my sister couldn't say my real name. And so she called me Bish that, you know, and. And that's nowhere my, close. <laughs> yeah. And that's nowhere close, but that's what it was. And I think mm -hmm. about like, do nicknames have just as much empowerment or meaning as your real name? And I think they do in some ways because they connect a memory a lot of times, either to a positive or negative moment. And Hazel here is connecting Uncle Bubba her nickname, Scout, Muffin, Peach, all these things to what her memories are. And for most of them, she's telling a very comedic story about, I, like, I guess, her 
adventure, her growing up, her, her coming to being into a, a, a woman, a young person, I don't know. But I think of how much of us are we identified by our names? Because when I was a teacher and you said a student's name wrong, they let you know because a lot of us identify by our names or our nicknames. It's who we are. And then you also have those people where like, well, I can't place the name, but I know your face, right? And don't let that diminish, you know, how much I think or know about you. I know who you are. You know, there's, I think it goes a little bit of both ways, maybe based on the situation. Um, You know, there's, there's who you are, your will, and then there's your representation, you know, in the external, basically of nature, you know, external from yourself even. So... I know, I know there, there's a lot here to explore with the big bird or hazel, depending on what she's being called at the moment. But do you <laughs> I think it was think, bad bird, but <laughs> big bird. She, well, she is kind of bad bird in this story, right? Because, yeah. you know, we, we see the picture of, of Hunka Bubba and, and we get those flashbacks, right? The story yeah. is kind of told like very stream of consciousness where we jump around. I'm going to call it consciousness-ish. We jump around a lot. Right. We, we jump from one vignette when we were at the movie and it's hysterical the way that they're like popping the, the chip bags, kind of irritating the oh, teachers yeah. and such. And then and then, you know, the the, the authority figure, the, the hall monitor, if you will, kind of comes out to try to get burn bomb or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but doesn't authority also come up in this story a lot? Right. If you look at the final line, right, like if we just skip to that real quick, it says, because he is my blood brother and understands that we must stick together or be forever lost. What with grownups playing change up and turning you round every which way so bad and don't even say sorry. Right. There, there's something to be said about how authority is presented in this story, the way the teachers expect a certain performance and call you certain things, the way her grandpa called her the nickname of Scout because she, she he expected her to navigate, right? And even just the way that, you know, she, she identifies baby Jason. It's not just Jason. It's not just my brother. It's baby Jason. You are smaller than me. There's something about how authority is projected in this story too and how that can influence the name and how we identify with others. Yeah, there's definitely a strong assertion of how we identify ourselves and how we identify others. And we see that Hazel has this connection, obviously, with her uncle and her brother, but it's also how she perceives others perceiving her relationship with them and what those those names and those relationships mean. And I, I feel like Hazel is trying to navigate the world that she understands better than she should at a, such a young age. She realizes that the older generation is looking differently at her because of her age. And she also is realizing, to your point, more than I think just that of the, the older generations, that they lie to her, right? And that's what older generations sometimes do to younger generations. And I think about that. And that was kind of my, one of my main takeaways from the story, besides the power of names, is we always seem to be lying to younger generations and there and adults will know what I'm talking about. There are many things that you do these white lies to your children because you think it'll make their lives better. And maybe it does. It does enrich their lives of all of these times that you tell them these quote white lies to allow them to have a better life and, and be innocent and have something that is not tainted. I think that Hazel has broken past that. And she knows that 
and yet the adults are still lying to her. And she's like, come on, man, I know better. <laughs> well, like, and, and this story, to your point, kind of revolves around that deception, right? The time that she was forced to watch, ah, oh, this religious movie, this isn't about gorillas, right? And then also at the end when she's like, I thought you were going to marry me, Hunka Bubba. And she's like, what? I was kidding. Like, I'm going to marry this girl. Like, come on. Like, you don't you know, like, innocence playing? There's something to be said about how she is that at that coming of age moment where she realizes that there's a lot of deception in this world. Like all this time you thought that your parents were invincible and perfect. You realize they're not. You realize that there's times that they've shielded you from things and that there's things that, you know, aren't really what we say, but what we are thinking. And you, it's your job as a, a listener, a receiver of information to pick through that based on context. And that's a big moment in a child's life. When do you think it is that you have that literal transition into an adult from the figurative idea that you think is an adult as a child? Is it because I don't have children, but I feel like I've experienced that. And for me, I feel like the first time was when I had to face an authoritarian figure as a child, but under the adult constraint rules. I got pulled over for running a red light. I still say it was yellow, but the cop said it was red and he let me off and did I, I didn't get in trouble, but I was still, quote, a child in a, quote, adult's world dealing with an authoritarian figure. And that's when I realized that I was no longer a kid. When do you think it was for you? When did you have that epiphany like Hazel does? Wow. Um, probably like a decade <laughs> later. I <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it was in my 20s. Uh, maybe I'm just thinking of a, a police story because that's the one that you're telling me right now. But it was it was the same situation where the police officer was like totally bending the truth of what was actually happening. And I was like legitimately scared. And, there, and the, there's actually two cops and, and they were actually arguing with each other. Like, like neither one agreed of what the truth was, right? If we could just tell it like it is, like Hazel said. Uh, but that that was kind of my coming of age moment. Interesting that maybe just because you mentioned a police story, I had to bring up a police story. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I just feel like this story encapsulates the coming of age and how our names change over time as well as we become adults. And I, and I love that. And I think Bambara does a great job of showing us how we lose our childhood innocence at different times in our lives. And for some people, that will be at five or six. For some people, it'll be a 16 like me. Some people, maybe for you at 26. Maybe some people never. Uh, you know, maybe they have to have grandchildren before they start to realize that they're the adult figure. I don't know. <laughs> well, and it's worth pointing out that I think Bombara does that on purpose because she ties the name reveal kind of to that loss of innocence moment, right? Because she was Miss Muffin, she was Scout, and it's only kind of at the end when she's kind of realizing this that she finally reveals that she's Hazel. Right. For, for people who have never read any other Bambara stories and don't know who Hazel is, right? Like this is that that light bulb moment for them. And I think she does that on purpose because to your point, it can be very different and very personal for when that realization happens. Let us know in the comments down below what you think was the realization in this story. Did you enjoy this? What other Bambara stories should we cover next? I'm going to leave a playlist to all of the other talks on Hazel and others by Bambara. Uh, thank you for spending time with us today. My name has been Una. Peace. Crypto out.